everybody. This is MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell, and we are Sober Sisters Talk. And we're going to talk today. We're going to talk about some important stuff. So we, MG and I, put this together to kind of bring our experience, strength, and hope um, to listeners and kind of in a way where we bring our, you know, the way that we work a program out in the real world, which is what happens, you know, it's so easy to stay sober inside the rooms and, um, things happen outside and you're not prepared for it. It comes to you at a way that you're not really thinking about. And, um, one of those things that's out there and very relevant right now is this, um, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford and Brett Kavanaugh, the the um, the Supreme hearing, Court the Supreme, yes, and that the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing was yesterday, and then today they talked about you know actually initiating initiating the vote and decided not to because of one senator. So, um, MG and I were talking about before we started recording. Um, the effect, the watching of this, hearing of this, being a part of this has had on both of us in the past um, couple of days, week, um, whatever. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And I feel like this is such a remarkable thing in our in our culture. I mean, most of the young kids, you know, like I went to a meeting last night and there was a bunch of young women and I kind of shared a little bit about it and they were all like, you know... They didn't really know what's going on. A lot of people worked yesterday or weren't aware of it. I think that people who are our age or older, I mean, I didn't work yesterday morning, so I was able to watch her testimony. And then I went to work and I was able to put on the radio and like listen to the rest of it and hear some of the commentators. So I was really plugged into it yesterday. And you know, I've heard a lot of, like, there's been a lot of people discussing it and bringing up good points, and, you know, when I think about, like, my own recovery, and I was sharing with Elizabeth, and I'm not going to go into detail, but, you know, when I was a drug user, I did some nitrous oxide, and I blacked out. I never blacked out when I drank alcohol. I remembered every grisly, horrifying moment of that the next day, but I did do this industrial strength nitrous oxide, and then I woke up in a, and, you know, in the middle of having intercourse with someone and and it was consensual I you know was hoping that I would have you know that with this individual but you know the last thing I remembered was like putting my lips close to the nozzle and then the next minute you know waking up in the middle of, of intercourse and it was a shock to him as well and so you know we kind of like stopped but when I think about and I think it also came up for me that during that time frame, like 1981, 1982, I feel like the way that we were raised was that if we knew something was going on back in some bedroom at a party or whatever, we would just leave or not go in that bedroom or say, girl, don't go back there. We wouldn't like go, what the hell is going on over here? You know, I'm calling the cops. You know, we would never do that. Would you? No. Or was she, I wouldn't even consider was she safe. No. That would never even enter my mind. Like another woman. It was like, you know, right. It's a couple back there. So, you know, I was talking about this whole thing with my boss, and um, I had told her the first time I was sexually assaulted, I was eight. 
And the second time I was in seventh grade, so whatever, 12 or 13 years old. And then as a, um, and I never told a soul. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't, I didn't know that I should. I felt like, I felt like I was going to get in trouble. I didn't understand it as being an assault. Um, I didn't, you know, I just didn't. And was there a little trauma around it too, where you were like, I just can't think about this and I've just got to go on. Oh, absolutely. Yes. The first time it was like a, a neighbor had invited me in and showed me something. Yeah, I won't say what it is cause it was quite vulgar, but, um, she said, now it's your turn. And I said, Oh, I don't think my mom wants me. I think my mom wants me to go home. And I ran out the door yeah. and I never went back inside that house again. Yeah. And then the second time, uh, it was a group of boys that would run by me and grab my breasts. And I was, you know, very, I was like the size I am now at, at age 13. So, um, I had no idea that I was supposed to do that, but I will say that this whole thing with Kavanaugh and listening to her, Dr. Ford describe what happened to her, it brings back those boys running by me and grabbing me like they just can. Yeah. Thinking it's okay. Yeah. To do that. Yeah. That I could just grab a woman. It's okay. And then, you know, there was, you know, we were just talking too, like when I was, I don't know, 14 or 15, I was in a blackout and um, remember bits and pieces of, you know, being in a park and, and being with a man and somebody saying that we had sex and, you know, I don't remember. I don't remember. So we were talking about this and then MG had asked me, I am dating and, um, you know, I was describing the feelings I'm having about dating and that it's challenging and that it's, um, the, the real thing is, is that it's scary. And, um, and the fear is, well, that I have, you know, my past is that I was, I was, I've been with two major relationships in my life. And, um, of those two, both of those men assaulted me and repeatedly, neither one of them are even really aware that they did or what they were doing was wrong, but it's the truth. And that's what happened. And now I am afraid that getting closer to a man, I will be putting myself into a position where I can't take care of myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the trauma because the truth is, is that I do know how to take care of myself. Sure. And I have... And you're not the same person today that you were then. And you're not choosing the same type of man. You're being very thoughtful. You're doing a lot of vetting. And that's part of it, is that you're getting to know them. And, you know, I just want to encourage you to trust yourself around this. And I think that maybe this last date that you had where you began focus on, on maybe some physical attributes of this individual that, you know, weren't, you know, optimal, I'll say that, 
is I know that for me, a strategy to, you know, uh, to check them off, you know, like Seinfeld had that thing where it was like he could, he always found something wrong with every woman that he dated, you know, to eliminate them. Right. And to get them, you know, to make yourself safe. Right. Little to have a reason. reason. To have a reason. Oh, he's this yeah. or he's that, you know, strike out. And uh, to keep you in this place of safety. So what is your strategy going forward? Are you going to say like mantras of protection? I mean, what is your what is your process? Well, I think for me, um, so part of it, you know, what I wanted to go back to the trauma because when she was sharing her story and talking about screaming and he put his hand over her mouth and then she never told anybody and then there's the other side that's almost attacking her for never saying anything like it probably didn't happen because you didn't tell anybody like it's not true because you never you didn't report it and um you know there was so many times with in my experience where i was repeatedly aware of the assault and i didn't say anything and i consciously thought if i say something i'm going to expose this individual and if i say something um you, it's going to affect other people other my family members if i say something Blah, 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 blah. It's it's sort of that don't rock the boat. Right. And it's that cultural and I think uh, for socialization for women, just this view of compliance. Just to go along with what these men say to do. And I like to think that, you know, the young millennial women and young millennial men that are coming up, you know, have a, a little bit more agency in their life and they're unwilling to kind of accept that. And there was a, a young girl that was in the play with me, and she was working at this bar and for like a couple of weeks. And, you know, she kept getting hit on because she's super cute. And she was like, no, I'm just not going to put up with this. And she, like, quit this job. And she would tell her manager, listen, this guy keeps, like, you know, talking to me. And I've t- he doesn't want a, a drink. He just keeps following me around, and it's very disturbing. And I need someone to walk me to my car, like, forever. And, you know, just really advocating and standing up for herself. And I just was like, I don't think I ever would have done that when I was her age, when I was 21. You know, I would have just, like, tried to, well, like, I think you know, these, hide or whatever, yeah, you know? These, those, that age are raised by women my age. Right. So right. we teach them differently, right. you know? And we do. I know that my daughter is different than me. And not near, but I do think that there is a level of compliance in her sexual history as well. Mm. And I don't know. I just think that based on conversations that we have had. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. so I think with myself is what I need to do is to remind myself that I'm not the same. That I do have the ability to choose who I'm sexual with. I do have... The ability to choose when I'm right. sexual and, and when I'm not. And you're stone cold sober, Elizabeth. Listen, I'm not going to say that if someone's, you know, had a beer or a little bit drunk that it's their fault at all. I'm not. That is, you know, whether a woman is drunk or not drunk, nobody should do that to them. Full stop. But I do feel that because I am sober that I have, like, a better chance. 
like, you know, the odds are a little bit better for me to be able to think critically and to physically move and get out of a situation. Well, and two, so, you know, this was um, over a year ago, I had a conversation with a woman at um, at work. She called and said she got a letter from, um, she had, we had printed a letter to the editor with her name and we used their first and last name and somebody, one of our readers had found her and sent her a, a letter to her home and she felt totally violated and didn't know what to do and after we talked about it I said here's what I think you should do I think you should take it to your substation and give it to the police tell them you want to register log a complaint register a report whatever that is correct yes and I said they will probably poo-poo you and say oh you're just being silly and that's Don't make okay. us do this work. But that's okay. Because I think that the more that we do this, the more that we say, no, this is a violation. Yes. This is a violation that I am saying no to. And the more that we call it to the attention of men in this world, maybe my granddaughters won't have to. Maybe. But we have to report and we have to bring to light every single incident we can't cover it up and not say something because it might hurt somebody you know like it might destroy his family i don't care if it destroys his family you know that's he's in the limelight because he chose to accept that nomination nomination so sorry for the family but i don't feel sorry for him he invited this this is part of the the big leagues Right, and the vetting process, and that you do hold yourself open to uh, potential attack at uh, at that level. Having said that... Alleged or not. Alleged or not, that's right. But I do believe, like, in, and there was one statement that, you know, Dr. Ford, who, you know, I heard on NPR tonight that, you know, she has nothing to gain and everything to lose. Right. And he has everything to gain. And... I saw her being just so heroic and strong about, you know, and poised and even in the light of fear and trepidation and putting her family at risk. You know, she was a true hero to me. And when they were like saying, what's your certainty that this is Brett Kavanaugh? And she was like, 100%. I mean, she knew this guy. And so, I mean, I felt like her testimony was compelling and true. And uh, and I felt like she was a super wonderful person. I mean, I got the sense that she was nice. I got the sense that she was smart. And, uh, and that this was a horrible, heinous thing that happened to her. And so that juxtaposed with, you know, Judge Kavanaugh's rebuttal has just been so fascinating. But I do believe her, and I believe you. And I believe that we, in terms of like like bringing it back to what recovery gives us is that, you know, I don't want to be either the perpetrator or the victim of any of that stuff. And it has to do, you know, like ultimately around substance abuse. I mean, maybe if she hadn't had the beer, she might not have like had to go to the bathroom or whatever, you know, because that's where she was going. She was going upstairs to go to the bathroom. And, uh, you know, clearly these guys that, you know, uh, assaulted her, they'd been drinking heavily. And so it's just, you know, I'm not going to say I think everybody in the world should be sober. 
I mean, my God, I'd like to have been able to have like a glass of wine every now and then. And But I think that in terms of recovery and what we do in the world, it's just so important that it's not just me, that when I go out in the world and I get altered in whatever way, I affect other people. And I don't want right. to, like I said, either be the perpetrator or the victim. So Well, and that, you know, we have to protect ourselves as women from those types of situations and you know if you're it doesn't matter whether you're 15 or 25 if you take a drink and you're in a situation like that where there's a party with people that you don't know you're in that situation you're putting yourself at risk right it, it you know unless you know if i went with you and said hey you know i'm gonna drink watch me don't let me you know go into a, be- a closed bedroom with someone, you know, closed door bedroom with someone if I am, come find me, you know, and I don't think all young women do that, you know, I don't think that they're aware of what could happen. So I think that like what we have to do is to educate ourselves that, you know, be really, really cognizant of putting yourself in a vulnerable situation either by using or, you know, um, you don't have to be using in order to put yourself in a vulnerable situation. I was recent, uh, one of my sponsees recently was um, traveling and went in, you know, met somebody in an airport and said, let's share a cab. And I was like, that's dangerous. Yeah. Didn't you see taken? You know, (laughs) that's exactly what happened to them. You know, let's share a cab. And, um, it's not a, it's just, it's, it might feel like it's fine and he's fine and whatever, but it's dangerous. And so we have to educate each other. And when we see something like this, we have to tell, we have to tell. Um, I've had to report things that I know some of the men that I work with are, oh, that's nothing. You know, I've had, um, calls where men were extremely vulgar and left messages directed at me, you know, and I sent them on and said, I want this, I feel unsafe with this phone call, and here you go. And that's what I shared with that that caller. I was like, I don't care anymore. I don't care if you're gonna, some guy's gonna diss me or say- Minimize your inexperience and say, it wasn't that big of a deal. You need to let that go, Elizabeth. Right. Right. We don't need to do anything about this. Okay, that's fine. But I'm going to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to share it. Right. And I'm going to do that every time from here on out. Right. Which is how I protect myself. Right. Because that behavior is unacceptable. It is unacceptable. You never need to call the newspaper and leave a vulgar message for... message, yeah. Yes, for somebody there. You Whatever you need to say can be said without all of those words. And you never need to find somebody's name in a newspaper and send it to her private home. That just doesn't need to happen. Yeah. It's not yeah. necessary. Right. And it is intrusive. Well, and it's it's threatening and it is, you know, a posture of aggressiveness, like being it is. you know, saying, you know, I know where you live. Right. Yeah. And entitlement. Like I can do this because yeah. I am a man. Yeah, like those guys that like grabbed you. Right. You know? Yes, they can just do that. You know, it's it's rude 
and it is invasive and it's not necessary. Well, and one of the things that I feel strongly about is if I'm out in the world and I see something happening, I mean, you know, and the most recent thing was like like a fight in the street because I live near Westheimer and there's like, you know, street men and women and, you know, I don't know if they're a couple having a fight or if it's like, you know, like this an guy, assault. an you assault don't or yeah. whatever. And I'm like, are you okay? And, you know, like leaning out my window, are you okay? And she like looking at me, she went, yes, like annoyed with me. And I'm like, okay, you can be annoyed with me, sister. I don't yeah. mind. But I'm like checking it out. I'm like, you can get in the car with me. I, I would say that. You need to get in the car with me? I'll drive you down the road or yeah. whatever. Which, you know, if she's like a homeless person, it might not be a good thing to me to do. Like putting myself at risk. But, you know, I'm willing to advocate for other women. Right. Well, and, and other men, you know, I live near Montrose, which is, you know, I mean, if I see like, you know, some people threatening like a, you know, gay man over by the bars, I mean, I, I'm going to insert my body. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Stand for. So I do want to advocate for our listeners and to share with you, if you have been assaulted and you don't want to say anything, you can tell me. Yeah. You can uh, reach out to us on our on our voicemail, I mean on our um, email, and um, if you want to leave your phone number, I'll call you and you know we'll talk to you about it, and you can share it with me. And we'll help support you because these are trying times. So you can reach us at sober sisters talk at gmail dot com. Our website is www.sobersisterstalk.com. And we're also on YouTube and Facebook. Just you know, yes, we have a Facebook um, page. You can find you can search our, for a sober well, sisters talk. Um, I try to post all of our podcasts on there so that you can find us there. You can find us um, on uh, on the website. You can Google us. You can listen to our podcasts. Find them on the on the website, and um, you can reach out to us because this is a sensitive, scary topic and um I don't want to shy away from it because it's putting me out there or putting us at risk or you know putting our perpetrators at risk I don't want to shy away from it I want to um put it out there and let you know that we will support you we will do whatever we can to help you our listener thank you so much for listening this is MG I'm Elizabeth Pudwell thank you thank you